You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schliff. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So today's going to be a little bit random. Got a bit of a mishmash, mostly of uh, questions, well, entirely at this point. Got a little bit of a backlog going on as far as the uh, the voicemails and text messages, so we're going to go through those with the exception of one that I'm going to wait because it's, you know, going to be a little bit more timely in a few days. The one thing I wanted to throw out there for you, because there's, there's always got to be a call to action, man. Episode 500 is creeping up. Seems crazy to say, but I just, you know, 100 days flies by like nothing, man. Because I just did 400, and I feel like 300 wasn't even that long ago. But this episode right here is 471. It's just ridiculous. I, I do a daily podcast, man. It goes by fast. But if you've been listening for a while, one thing that I throw out there as a nice little 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 thing, if you wanted to help out support the podcast, it would be a $5 donation on episode 500. Just something to think about. Got uh, PFF bill coming up. Got Game Pass bill coming up. Got a few other subscriptions like for uh, the player contracts and other little scouty type things that I pay for. And there's also giveaways and whatever else is going on. So any and all support, uh, like the folks on Patreon, I, once again, want to just say thank you. You guys just hang in there. And I don't know if I mentioned it, but I'm planning on, this would have been a great weekend, a four-day weekend to do it, but it was very busy. But I, I got some plans for Patreon that are going to be kind of fun. But something to think about. Anyways, let's take our break and uh, start talking about uh, the Packers. Let's talk about the Packers today. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. 
Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. So the first thing I wanted to clear up, um, got a little auto post thing going on in the Facebook group when I throw up a new podcast. And John commented that I missed a couple things, which I don't think I did, but maybe I did. So let me just address his point, and then we'll we'll get off of it. John says, you forgot to discuss Rogers' ego, his ability to trust people, and him changing plays. I agree with 7 and 9 based on this alone. So I, I kind of more broadly addressed the issues with Rogers, which I said I don't think are going to be that big of an issue, although I could see where I would like to see some improvements, but... It is what it is, and I don't really see him as a detriment. Not going to rehash that. But to go through his points, first of all, ego and ability to trust people, that's two of the three points. Both of those, I believe, you can just throw away right away, because if those two lead to seven and nine, how do you explain the rest of his career? You can't, unless this is brand new ego and brand new trust issues, and it's not. He has an ego. Tom Brady has an ego. Philip Rivers has an ego. Drew Brees has an 99.9% of football players have egos because they're the most elite human beings on the planet at their given craft. And they know it. And they're very good at it. And it's part of what makes them very good is that the, is their, their ego, the desire to be the best. So I'm, I'm not super worried about that. Uh, that just leaves the one thing, which is the changing plays issue. And I, I've kind of already talked about that. I could see that as a potential issue. At this point, it's nothing more than a potential issue. And I, I think worst-case scenario, um, LaFleur doesn't really give him any options. He works with what he has, and he's, you know, it's he's, he's it, it's the Tennessee Titans offense all over again with just a better quarterback and better wide receivers and a better running back and a better offensive line. And Aaron Rodgers mumbles to himself, which, again, I think goes away when things start working. So I, I, I'm sensing a little hostility. I don't know if John is a non-Packers fan or just, a, you know, that, that other breed of Packer fan that's a little bit more pessimistic, which is fine. I've got a little twinge of that. I like to think I'm somewhere in the middle. So most Packer fans are super like, rah, rah, everything's going to be great, and I tend to rein that in a little bit. And then you got the other extreme, which is um, Al, for example, on Packernet is very, very much that way. He's very pessimistic. And I think I was that way a little bit more so. But I'm turning it around, man. It's just no way to be, you know? This 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 time of year, as I said, and again, John maybe is just a, a Vikings fan just trying to kick me in the face over and over. I don't know. But this time of year is a real good time to just have fun. You know, who cares? Team's going to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, why not? As long as there's at least a little part of you, you know, there's a little tiny guy holding on to the other end of the leash that's kind of just making sure it doesn't get too crazy and is giving you a little reminder once in a while, like, hey, just so you know, this is just make-believe. Like, you can run around and play for a little while, and then it's back to reality where things are hard and the team doesn't win every game and crushing disappointment, injuries, you know, that kind of stuff. Other teams are good, too, you know. Otherwise, just just enjoy it, man. There's no reason to be mad now. It's July. Z- literally zero things have gone wrong so far. Now is not the time to be throwing a fit. Just my two cents. You, As I've said several times, you can handle your fandom any way you want. That's just a suggestion. Just try it out. There's another question here from Mr. Jack Hayes. Jack, by the way, just joined. He is the uh, winner of the PFF giveaway, so be sure to congratulate Jack in the Facebook group. Hope you're enjoying it, man. But he says, what is your favorite Packers moment that you can remember? 
He says, I think mine is Brett Favre running around Super Bowl 31 with his helmet off after a touchdown pass to Andre Risen. So, this question's been asked, and I've talked about how poor my memory is. And it's kind of unfortunate because I, I, even like the Favre Super Bowls, it's kind of just like little flashes. Like, I remember the Super Bowl. I remember the helmet thing. I remember like a real early touchdown. I remember a return for a touchdown where it just, it was like right out of the gate. I just remember thinking like, oh, we're, we're going to win this game. It's going to go like that, I guess. This is just domination. I don't think that's what actually happened. I just remember watching it and thinking, this is, this is a really good football team. And it was. But I also think, look, there's, there's three games. And this isn't true for everyone. Let me, let me actually first go through some of the comments just to get some uh, perspective. Uh, Joel says, mine is Brett Favre's night, the game after his dad died. Dustin says, um, Rodgers taking the game-ending knee in Super Bowl 45. Favorite non-Packers moment, Favre ending the Vikes Super Bowl run in 2009 NFC Championship. Uh, both immensely satisfying. Chris says, the BJ Raji pick six, that was beautiful. He says, uh, added bonus Larry McCarron on the call. Justin says, the Super Bowls are the obvious ones, but does anyone remember the Monday night game where Favre dropped the bomb to Antonio Freeman? Freeman dove out for the pass and overshot it. It landed on his back. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's bouncing around. He catches it, jumps up, and runs it in. That was pretty awesome. As far as plays, that was up there. Well, eh. <laughs> even if we just narrow it down to plays, that it's probably top 10, but there's some crazy plays, man. Seth, right after, says, uh, when I was knee-high on a grass to a grasshopper, my favorite play was Antonio Freeman. I vividly remember sitting cross-legged on the floor when Al Michaels said he did what? Definitely remember that. Justin went on to post it, so let's, well, uh, I'm not going to play it because i got to set that all, the audio up. You can find it. You know the play. Danyan posted a video of um, Brett Favre and Sharp, Sterling, obviously, uh, just carving up the Lions. Scott says, number one, Nick Collins pick six in the Super Bowl. That was unbelievably glorious. Number two, Rodgers to Rodgers, Hail Mary. Number three, 2011 season opener, goal line stand against Drew Brees and the Saints to win the game. Mark just literally posted this second. This is, if I wait long enough, there's going to be a lot of answers. But uh, Mark posted the miracle in Motown, the Hail Mary. So here, here's sort of my general thought. The Super Bowls are kind of just a given, um, even if... I, I mean, it's just, it's this very euphoric feel. It's just, it's different, right? Winning the Super Bowl is just different. As, as exciting as some of these other games are, it just, it doesn't really compare. So that and then the Brett Favre game, um, maybe that's not everybody's answer. That would be my answer if I just eliminated the Super Bowls because that was, that was also just different. I remember just getting choked up. You got goosebumps the whole game. Like, this is just ridiculous, right? You just heard about, you know, when you go back to the moment, you heard about his, his dad dying, and it's just, it was assumed he's not playing. Like, obviously he's not playing, even though the guy never misses a game ever. Like, he's he's obviously just not going to play. His dad just died. Sure enough, he comes out, and then it was just maybe, I don't know. I mean, it, and it, I, I even went back and watched it, and it wasn't quite as amazing as I remembered, but it was, you know, in the moment, it just felt like he couldn't miss. And of course, the receivers didn't drop a single ball. It was, it was, it, and that part of it was just—you could just feel like he should not have been able to catch that. These guys were playing the best games of their lives for Brett Favre, and that—that that goes back to the bigger picture of, of the locker room stuff and the camaraderie and and just the, you know, doing things for each other and caring about each other and just how important that stuff is. But I'm not going to go down that path. But that, 
I'm getting goosebumps again, man. That was such a good game. But I, I would want to remove those games. Um, and again, be, because I don't exactly remember the 90s quite so well, I know in general I loved watching Brett Favre, and I loved the feeling of watching the Packers with the family and the parties and all that stuff that was going on. But I really think if I were to make a list of, of games that come after the Super Bowls and after the, the Brett Favre game when, when his dad passed away, it's really just a list of Aaron Rodgers' comebacks. And I don't exactly know how to, how to rank them because I feel like there's a recency bias. I think if you were to write a, a storyline, and I know this wasn't, recency bias goes out the window. I, I know if you were to write a script, the game last year against the Bears where he came back um, after injuring his knee, that, that had to have been one of the best situations, but I, I didn't really feel it. <laughs> I wasn't, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I was, I was super excited. But I think there was just a feeling of, of exhaustion, right? When when Aaron Rodgers went down, it just felt like the season was over. I mean, this is game one. I had just started the podcast the year before. Shortly after I start the podcast, he gets hurt. He's out for the year. The year was garbage. We come back. Oh, we're all excited, right? We're going to win the NFC North. That's not really even a question. It's just a matter of how good we're going to be. It's going to be so amazing. And shortly after he goes out, he gets hurt. And he's, you know, he's holding his knee. You look at the replay. It looks horrible season's over, right? So he comes back and you win the game and it was just kind of like this feeling of relief. Like, I, I, I don't even care that we won. I'm just glad that he's okay and I hope he can play next week and whatever. So I think that should be higher on my list, but it's just, it's not the next best one. But the, the two that stand out, and maybe I'm, I feel like I'm missing one because I feel like Rodgers has done this like 17 times. Oh, I do know. I got three. So there's the other bear game. You know which one I'm talking about. Cobb, touchdown, right? There's the Miracle in Motown, um, and then, strangely enough, it is the, well, I guess it's not strange, it was, it was a big comeback game and all that stuff, but it was the game against the Dallas Cowboys, the, uh, you know, Dez dropped it game. Those three, and it's just really hard to rank them. I know the, I, I, I it seems like the Detroit game was, was miraculous, and it was kind of like the first one, right, he, he since did it, you know, there was the... Dallas Cowboys game, which was another, you know, not a Hail Mary touchdown, but similar to it. There was the game against Arizona, which we ultimately lost, but there was another Hail Mary there. There was also a Hail Mary, <laughs> that's what I'm forgetting, the Cobb Hail Mary in the Giants game. That was at halftime, though, so it was a little less significant. I mean, it's a wild card game, it's super, ah, man, I don't know. I, I think it needs to be on the list, because that was a wild card game against a really tough opponent, you know, playoff game. The Bears and the Lions games were not, man, how do you rank these? I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to be able to rank them. I remember losing it. There's a video out there somewhere, which I don't think has ever really super made it, but I, I lost it in that Detroit Lions game. I mean, flipping over chairs, just going crazy. It was, it was unbelievable, right? And just the way that these things happened, right? The, the, the penalty, which led to the Hail Mary, which, you know, it's just, it's a series of impossible things. It was the same with the Bears game. How many fourth downs did they convert into before they actually got the uh, the touchdown to Cobb? I think that's sort of the unforgotten thing. It's it, the offense just could not get down the field. It was, you know, this and this and this and a fourth down. It's like, oh come on! And you're you're stressed on third down because that's just even though you know it's four down territory, it's like all right, third down, we got to do it, and you don't get a first down. And it's like, oh no! And then they convert it, and it's like, oh thank you. And then it's again third down. They don't convert it. Fourth down, they convert it. 
It's like, man, I, I just can't handle this. And then just just at the end, and then we almost lose the game because Cutler and the Bears almost come all the way back. That was just an unbelievable game. But I remember the, the funny thing about the, the, the uh, Dallas Cowboys game, I remember getting super, super amped up. Like the next game against Atlanta, I tried it. I just, I couldn't do it. I don't know if subconsciously I knew we were going to lose or what. But I remember being really nervous, but just, I mean, I, I had, uh, you know, Lil Wayne green and yellow cranked up in the car. We were driving up to a place to get, uh, go on vacation and just getting super jacked. And then, you know, to have that all unfold, whew, unbelievable. And if I may, this is, this is why we shouldn't be complaining about Aaron Rodgers. To complain about his demeanor on the field when he's given us all of this, the, these are memories that people who have been alive since, you know, the <laughs> been watching football since, what, the 50s? They've never had these kind of memories with their team. We're getting these things even on bad years, like every year. Aaron Rodgers has done some miraculous things. I, I, I have said and will say that I, I think, I don't know how to say it. Prefer isn't the right word necessarily, but I, I, I don't know if Aaron Rodgers can ever really give me what Brett Favre gave me. It's the best way I can put it. But still, Aaron Rodgers has done things that I, it's, it's just, it's otherworldly. If Pat Mahomes even has as many crazy comeback wins as Aaron Rodgers, I'll be shocked. And he's he's a really scary, talented guy. I mean, we'll see what happens year two and beyond. But I just don't think that, that this is something that most fan bases will ever see. You know, I, I, of course I want another Super Bowl, and I hope we get another Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers. But even if we don't, I don't, I don't know, man. The, the way that, that it made us feel when he got that Hail Mary against Detroit to win the game was just, it's a, it's a feeling of euphoria that most teams only get when they win a Super Bowl, and a lot of teams don't ever win a Super Bowl. I mean, ha- have Vikings fans ever felt anything like, I mean, a- imagine a 30-year-old Vikings fan. What is one instant that they can remember, I, I suppose the dumb miracle that they had, but that wasn't even a, that was a missed tackle. I mean, is that the greatest moment that they can remember in their history is, is a guy who completely whiffing on a tackle? Basically a give-up play? I mean, that, that shouldn't have gone anywhere. It was a nothing pass to a wide-open guy who's about to get smacked after he catches it, and then they missed. I mean, you can put miracle after it, but it's, it's not a miracle. It was just this guy just completely whiffed. He closed his eyes, ducked his head, and just, I don't know. I don't know what he was doing. You know, what, what, what's the big Lions thing? I mean, I'm, I'm sure if you were a diehard Lions fan and have been for 20 years, you can point to a memory that was incredible. But w- what is it? I mean, what what is it that... I- I'm just curious if the best Detroit Lions memory can rival, like, w- what Aaron Rodgers does on a yearly basis. Like that one play that we get once a year from Aaron Rodgers. Has there ever been a memory from a Detroit Lions fan that, that's, you know, 20, 30, 40 years old? I'm I'm not I'm not trying to start a fight between you know Packers Vikings Packers Lions I'm I'm just saying we need to be more appreciative that's all I'm saying I'm saying that if if we were to complain to Vikings fans which we don't usually because we usually brag to them I don't think that they would take too kindly to that because we have nothing to complain about even when we're even when the Vikings and the Packers both miss the Super Bowl both miss miss the playoffs did the Vikings have any memories like what Aaron Rodgers did to the Bears in week one? No. They have nothing like that to take away. They had a good defense and a good enough offense, and it was just vanilla across the board. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. But it's just, it's the, 
I don't know. It's 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 the magic and the miracles within the good and bad, right? It's it's the extra little something that we get every single year because Aaron Rodgers is our quarterback that other teams don't. That other fan bases of teams don't get. We got to stop complaining about this guy. Yeah, he's got an attitude and he pouts and he mopes and it's annoying sometimes and you want him to just man up, stop crying, go play. But I think the next time I mean, whether it's you that's doing it, or me, or if it's somebody else in the media or whatever trying to drum up, like, oh, Aaron Rodgers, but just, just show him a highlight. Just show him, and just pick any one of those memories, or, or any of the memories that I read that involve Aaron Rodgers, and just be like, yeah, what about this? Like, I mean, I, I wouldn't trade this for anything. I mean, looking back at the, the, um, at what John said about his ego and everything else that's that's negative about Rodgers, would you trade that if you could improve that so that he's a little more humble and he's a little more trusting and he wasn't so what whatever the little tweaky things are? Let's let's round him out a little bit. Let's let's take some of the edge off. Let's take that chip off his shoulder. Let's just let's just dope him up, man. Let's just throw him on a bunch of quaaludes, whatever it was that they put him on week one when he got hurt, where his eyes are all glassed over and he can't stop smiling because he's clearly on drugs. Let's just have him like that forever. But you got to give back the memories. So he's going to be more compliant and complacent. He's going to do whatever he's told. He's just going to shut his brain off and be an autom- you know, automatron. That's what I was shooting for. I don't know if that's a thing. But you got to give it all back. right? You can keep the Super Bowl, but you got to give back the, the Hail Marys and all the extra stuff that just makes him special and unique. Because you don't want him to be special and unique. You want him to be complacent and compliant and just... Just shut your mouth and do exactly what everyone else does and what you're told. Do you want him to be like everyone else, or do you want him to be... I like him to be unique. That doesn't mean everything he does is perfect. I'm just I'm just saying stop complaining. That's it. And I'm talking to myself sometimes, too. Because over the last two years, after games, I've probably done more complaining about Aaron Rodgers than I've done praising Aaron Rodgers. That's me. That's my problem. It's it's just called being ungrateful. That's That's all it is. Straight up ungrateful, and that and that goes all the way back through Aaron, through Brett Favre as well. You know, I I was very anti Favre after that whole little scuffle with him. You know, leaving the Packers and saying I want to come back and crying and leaving and not making his decision and then going to the Jets and then going to the Vikings and I was not happy. But the collective memories that I've had from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers over the course of my literal entire life at least as my life that I can remember, I, priceless. Who cares about Super Bowls? I mean, you care, but we, we, would you give all those away if it gave you one more Super Bowl each? All the fun memories you had of Brett Favre, all the, all the wild and crazy stuff that we... When we talk about Brett Favre, what do we talk... We don't even talk about the Super Bowl when we talk about Brett Favre. We talk about him scrambling around. We talk about him playing with a broken thumb. We talk about all this other stuff. But yet it was a waste because he didn't win more Super Bowls. Fine. Give back all the memories and give him another Super Bowl. You good with that? Give back all the memories of Aaron Rodgers. Give him another Super Bowl. You good with that? I'm not. Because at the end of the day, 31 teams do not win the Super Bowl. Every single year, 31 teams out of 32 miss the Super Bowl. If that's all that matters, Super Bowl is going to be pretty miserable. we got to find stuff within the season, within the team, that's a little bit more exciting and fun that we can take positively out of the season than just Super Bowl or bust. Because that's too miserable. All right, I'm going to need Patton to get me out of this. All right, now you sons of b****. You know how I feel. Thank you, Patton.
So those are my favorite moments. I, I can't rank them. I'm not going to rank them. Next on the agenda, Ernie says that Street and Smith have Packers third in the NFC North and Montrevious Adams starting on the defensive line. What do you think of that? I don't have any idea what or who Street and Smith is, but Packers third in the NFC North, I mean, it's, it's sort of a simplistic thing to do. I don't know their reasoning, which is the hardest thing. Um, but I mean, the simplest thing to do would be to say the Bears are number one, the Vikings are number two, the Packers are number three, and the Lions are number four, right? That's, that's just, I mean, David even said it in the comments. He said, sounds like someone that looks at last year's results and put them for this year, which it kind of does. But again, I don't, I don't know what their reasoning is. Um, I will say though, that I, I can't, if you told me to rank the NFC North, I don't really know what my answer would be. Again, as I've said pretty much every day for the last couple months now, the Packers have so many question marks, and it's just a matter of how you answer each one. And I, I don't really have an answer other than to say that I know the Packers are going to be better. But there's enough questions about the Vikings and Bears. That means even if the Packers can step up to the level in which I expect as a bare minimum, which is to say Zadarius maybe isn't quite as good, but he's still good. Preston, you know, going through the line and, and going down the line. Even with those improvements, how do I know the Vikings don't get to relive a little bit of that 2017? And if they do, even if the Packers are playing lights out, 2017 Vikings are no joke, man. Improved offensive line, running more outside zone. They get a little bit more production out of their running back. The quarterback starts to step into this new offensive scheme a little bit more. They've got probably the best wide receiver duo. I mean, I don't know if that's super debatable. And then on top of that, you know, the defense, if they if they can relive some of that, you know, they, they get the... Um, the pairing with uh, with Daniil Hunter along with Everson Griffin and you got Linval Joseph still in the middle. It's maybe not as deep as it was, but that's still a horrific thing depending on Everson Griffin and, and how he's doing. You know, basically what I'm saying is if the Packers are just on top of the world, beating the 2017 Vikings is not a guarantee. Same can be said about the Bears. If the Bears can maintain that level of defense that they had last year and Trubisky takes a step, even if Aaron Rodgers is back to his 2014 self, Devontae Adams is still tearing it up, MVS takes a step, the corners take a step, I I think you could argue that the Packers would be better, but it's certainly not a guarantee. And even if they are a step better than the Bears, I don't know that they don't go 0-2 against the Bears because the Bears would be that good. And to be honest, if I were to step away from being a Packers fan, I would want nothing more than to see essentially the, the 2014 Packers, the 2017 Vikings, and the 2018 Bears square off in the division. That would just, that would be the most exciting, brutal bloodbath that, that maybe is, ha- I, I, I don't remember a time when you had three just absolutely elite football teams in, in the NFC North like that. And then to have two of them go into the playoffs and just absolutely obliterate everybody in their path and meet each other in the NFC North Championship would just be glorious. Now, as a Packer fan, I would much rather prefer the Bears defense takes a step back, Trubisky is still not good, the Vikings can't get their stuff figured out, and the Lions are still the Lions, and uh, we just kind of kind of coast right through. I'm fine with coasting. I mean, I, you got to be a good team to be able to get through the playoffs and win a Super Bowl, obviously, but that doesn't mean you need to get bloodied and battered um, by division opponents through the season. Not a requirement. So I, I guess what I'm saying is I, I can't look at that and say, well, that's dumb. It's not necessarily dumb. It's what happened last year, and there's there's no guarantee that the Packers have taken that big of a step forward that they're going to 
surpassed the Vikings or the Bears. And even if you think they have taken a big enough step, there's no reason to say that the Vikings also haven't taken a step or the Bears haven't taken a step. Now, you could maybe argue that it's more logical that the Packers step past the Vikings because the Packers have done a lot and the Vikings didn't do hardly anything at all other than retain the same players that brought them basically nothing last year. But I'm, I'm a little more scared of Kirk Cousins than probably a lot of other people are. Um, I'm a little bit more hesitant about the running game as a whole, seeing how this materializes. I'm, I know their offensive line isn't very good, but again, new offensive scheme, running that outside zone similar to the Packers. We'll see how that has an effect. If they can get the run game going, how much more lethal is that pass game going to be? I'm, I'm just hesitant going into that. So I, w- I would probably disagree, but... I'm content to just sit back and watch and see how it goes. As far as Montrevious Adams starting along the defensive line, I think, I mean, it's it's possible. So what we know is that, I mean, and I'm assuming this is not based on injury. That would just be kind of dumb. So we know it's going to be Kenny Clark and Mike Daniels as number one and two, and it's just a matter of whether or not Montrevious is going to get that starter designation in the other defensive end spot above Dean Lowry. That also assumes that Zadarius is primarily going to be considered an outside linebacker and isn't going to be taking that spot as the starting defensive end. There's also a little bit more competition with some other players, but I don't know if it's super big competition. Kingsley Kiki obviously is one guy, if he has a great rookie year, could step into that role. Otherwise, um, I mean, Tyler Lancaster is more of a, a backup nose tackle behind Kenny Clark, so I don't think he would ever really take that spot as a starter. Unless they just threw Tyler Lancaster at nose and put Kenny at, at defensive end. I, I don't know, but, I, you know. Point is, is, essentially all they're saying is that Montrevious is going to step above Dean Lowry. And I, I think, I actually think he should. I think that's what he essentially was drafted to do. That's what he is expected to do. Considering how early he was drafted, he should be able to take that step. He did take a step from year one to year two. He was not very good in year one pretty mediocre in year two but I I think he's kind of nipping at the heels of what Dean Lowry has done and I also think that the Packers would want I mean if if it was a horse apiece if they were basically tied I think they would want to push Montrevious Adams into that spot because you want him to be the guy and you want to kind of test him because you got to make a decision on Dean Lowry next year are you going to pay the guy? And again, with Montrevious Adams, with guys like James Looney, Tyler Lancaster, you've got a bunch of Preston Zedarius and, and all these other guys that can kick inside. Uh, you still got Kendall Donerson and Fatal Brown. I don't know if any of these guys are still going to be on the team, but you got Kingsley Kiki. The whole defensive front is is kind of building up with the expectation that we're going to be moving on for some, from some guys. So um, I don't know if we're going to see that week one. But would I be super shocked if, if Montrevious took over for Dean Lowry by the end of the year? Not really. That's what, that's, again, that's what we should actually be expecting. And I think if he doesn't, that's kind of a, a knock on Montrevious Adams. I think he is a, a better athlete. I think he should be a better football player than Dean Lowry. And hopefully we have a very good, um, I'm not saying hopefully we do, I'm, I'm telling you that we do have a very good defensive line coach. And hopefully he can kind of get the best out of uh, Montrevious and he can step up. I got nothing but love for Dean Lowry, but he doesn't exactly have the ceiling, in my opinion, of Montrevious Adams. And um, I think the ability to have Montrevious step up and be the main guy and be an upgraded Dean Lowry and we're able to let Dean Lowry go and not offer him a contract. Again, as much as I like Dean and I wish we could just give everybody contracts forever, I think in terms of prudent business decisions, 
moving on from guys like Dean Lowry is kind of essential. To not have to put big money into, well, I'm not going to be any more insulting, into Dean Lowry, essentially. Ben in the Facebook group actually just posted one this second. I just approved it. The question is, what is the hardest loss you've ever seen as a Packer fan? This one I know is actually very easy. Now, I I will say I was pretty devastated. I I do remember losing uh, to the Broncos in the Super Bowl. I remember being at the Embassy Suites when I was a kid. That was like one of our big vacations. We'd go to like a fancy hotel and spend the weekend there. But we were at the Embassy Suites down in Illinois, and I remember the game being on, and I remember being beyond crushed by that. But I also remember being kind of used to it. Granted, we had just won the Super Bowl the year before, but it, it always felt like they kept getting better and better, and they'd get into the playoffs, and they'd get knocked out by either you know the Lions or the 49ers or the Cowboys, one of those top elite teams. Yes, I said the Lions. I remember there was a stretch when they were pretty scary. But I, I, I distinctly remember, because it was somewhat of a turning point, point. I think I've mentioned it before, but it was the playoff loss to the Seattle Seahawks, and I don't think I need to elaborate on that. But it was not only just the way in which we lost, but I remember just feeling so beyond upset. And, there, there, you know, there, there were times in and around that time period where I would get so upset and you'd have people, you know, grandma's kind of telling you, like, you need to cool it because you're acting dumb. It's just a game. Calm down. But this is one of those things where I remember, like, if I act on my emotions right now, it's going to be devastating to the people around me. Like, it's going to start damaging relationships because I am just livid at the situation. I, I feel sick. So I remember I just kind of, like, took a moment and I laid on the floor with my face straight down into the floor, onto the rock-hard floor and I ignored everybody talking to me who was you know what's wrong like which is the worst thing you could ever ask somebody in that situation don't talk to me and somehow I just said I I I can't be like this and I gathered myself and I just went on about my day but that was easily by far the most devastated I because I it it was a lot building up I mean the, the Packers I felt like were the team um, the Seahawks, you know, I don't think it was fully known how good they were. I wasn't really expecting to lose that game. I knew we could lose the game. Uh, you know, we had the game won. Allowing them to come back was just horrible. And then to, to just lose it um, in the end that way, just beyond, above and beyond. I mean, it's, it's basic. nobody should ever feel that way about a game. But the, the amount of just feeling sick and anger and sadness was just, it was overwhelming, man. Beyond overwhelming. All those videos of people losing it and like throwing chairs at their TVs and stuff. I, I, I feel like if I was living by myself, it, it may have been one of those situations for me where I just smashed my TV and started screaming at it, you know, at, at the Packers through my broken TV. How could you be this horrible? So, I mean, that, that 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 one sort of goes without saying, too. I haven't seen any responses to it yet, but I'm guessing that's going to be primarily the main response. That was that was bad. That was really bad. The Cardinals game actually wasn't much worse because it was very similar to that. Just the, the, the feeling where you just feel like you know you're going to lose. It's just slipping through your fingers, and there's just nothing you can do about it. All right, I think I'm, uh, I think I'm actually going to leave it there. I apologize to the <laughs> people that left voicemails and texts. Uh, I haven't got to that yet. That'll be a uh, tomorrow thing. But keep the questions coming. It's, uh, it's super beneficial, especially this time of year. And there's a lot of different angles to see things from, and I feel like my angles have been pretty exhausted at this point. I mean, I'll find more stuff to talk about, but it is nice to kind of see things from, from your perspective. 
Anyways, you folks enjoy the rest of your Sunday. I will be here bright and early tomorrow morning to talk to you about uh, the Green Bay Packers once again. Have a good one.